people free themselves, whether it's freeing themselves when I work for labor unions, you know, from, you know, professional oppression, right? Um, so here, freeing themselves through recovery, you know, the, the people are doing the work. And so for me, that picture would have to be me on the side if I'm like a basketball coach or something, right? I love basketball. And, um, you know, maybe the folks are, you know, they're, they're the ones running the plays. You know, I'm just like, hey, you know, this play might work here or there. But that's, that's sort of how I would paint the picture. What's up, everyone? I am Brandon Alexander, and this is Take Your Homeboy to Work Day podcast, your favorite podcast to learn about career paths. Here's what you can expect by tuning in. Each episode, I will dive into a new career. We'll learn the nuts and bolts of jobs within each path. We'll also learn how these jobs impact our everyday lives. And finally, I'll ask each person how they find purpose and fulfillment through their work. So for anyone interested in hearing the first-hand experience of a specific career, these conversations are your launching pad to learn more. Today, we're discussing government relations and advocacy. Relations and advocacy requires leaders to serve as the unified voice for a group of citizens with a shared cause. They fight to make sure that cause is top of mind with policymakers using their expertise, relationships, and negotiation skills. They also educate the community they represent about progress and invest time growing awareness to others to build more support. Today, I'm proud to speak with Joseph Pierce Jr., the Director of Government Relations and Advocacy with Mental Health Partnerships. Joe fights for policies that will meet the needs of his members in Delaware, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. He works hard to protect their rights, connect them to benefits, and ensure their voices are heard and respected. His background leading successful grassroots campaigns in the battleground city of Philadelphia has even earned him recognition from President Biden. It's an honor to learn and speak with you today. Welcome, my brother. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I was listening. And I was like, who is that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you. That's you. <laughs> I appreciate man. that, man. I really do. I really do. Uh, I'm excited to have you on, man. Uh, and I know the audience is going to love to hear about your career because it has such an impact on our society. So the first question I want to ask is, what drew you to this industry or this career of campaigning, working with government, helping out uh, people, helping out the less fortunate? You know, how did you learn about it or who introduced you to it? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good question because, I mean, I'm originally from Lake Wells, Florida, like small town, hour south of Orlando, hour east of Tampa, in the middle of the Orange Grove. And so when it comes to government relations, like came to politics, I knew about elected officials. My parents always, you know, talking well, while we were growing up, I always talked about voting and that kind of thing. So I understood that, right? Uh, but mm -hmm. I didn't understand the industry. I didn't know it was like a, a thing in that regard. So I went to Florida a &M University. I uh, was in the business program there, and mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, that's a, going to fam is also where I met you. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. you, you, you know how that goes. But, uh, but so the thing is, Florida A&M is in Tallahassee, Florida, which is just happens to be the state capital, right? And mm -hmm. so politics were around. And I'm in, I chose business as a major because I was like, well, I got to be able to make some money at some point. And I felt as though that's where money was. And it was the most marketable degree I could get, right? And mm -hmm. so with that being said, while I'm in business school, 
it was uh you know fam you had some some beautiful women and so there was there was one in particular you know that was like hey you know you know based on your skill set you know you should look into being a lobbyist and i was like what said, you know she was so i said okay i'll, I'll listen and, but I also respect me very, very clear about this. She was super smart and she like had way more experience in, in uh, like professional life than I did. And so uh, it's like she'd been exposed to it at an earlier age. And so one of the things that I wanted to get from FAMU was, you know, exposure to those things. And so I actually just started looking up like what is a lobbyist and looking at their skill sets and compared it to who I was and what I was. And uh, I was like, huh, that actually sounds so cool. You know, the, 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 the glamour side of it, like, oh, I'm just going to go and schmooze, you know, with elected officials and get them to do what I like them to do. And, you know, uh, hopefully get like uh, work for some big lobbying firm and, you know, <clears throat> have like a corporate card and, and you know, go out for drinks and, and uh, uh, you know, small parties, as uh, Stewie would say. And so mm-hmm. uh, I was that was what initially drove me to it. And then um, this one summer, no, this one Christmas holiday, I'm sorry, one winter break. I, well, you know how it is a fan, man. So when you're getting that, your net check, it can be a little late sometimes. And so what ends up happening is when December comes around and before January hits, you know, like you might not get your net check until mid-January. That might be early for you. And you might, even not, might not even get it until February, right? And so I, um, a family friend who I call my godfather owns a law firm uh, in Polk County. And so while I was home for those few weeks, I asked him, could I work for him? Because I interned for him before. And so he allowed me to work for him so I could earn rent for January, trying to be a responsible adult, right? And so I got the rent while I'm there. Because I, I, I interned before, I sort of, although I was really young, I was sort of long in the tooth as far as like being around that law firm. And so uh, it's an African-American law firm, although they had, you know, people of all different backgrounds. Uh, but there was a particular guy who was new and I'm busting his chops. You know, it's a young guy, but he's loving it. Right. Like he's loving it. Like it was just really, really cool. And so at some point, you know, he just took an interest in me. He was like, hey, young brother, what do you want to do? And I was like, man, really, I want to like be a lobbyist. I want to like, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And he was like, oh, man. Well, my godfather, right, like when I call my godfather, he's an alpha. As you know, Brandon, you're my line brother. We're both members of Alpha Phi Alpha Attorney Incorporated. A-Fi. For sure. And then um, we, and this other guy happened to also be a member of A-Fi. And so he was just like, hey, man, well, you know, uh, I have a line brother that's up there, and he is uh, he's a lobbyist. He was like, well, you know, maybe I can connect you with them. I was like, all right, cool. Like five minutes later, he was like, nah, matter of fact, come here. He gets his line brother on the phone right then in front of me. And he says, hey, um, could you, he's like, I got this young brother here and he wants to basically do what you do. Could you, uh, could you, could you reach out and, you know, can connect with him? And the guy was like, all right, we'll put him on the phone. So he puts me on the phone. Say, hey, brother, you know, he just want to hear, you know hear me for a second and i was like yeah i'd love to and blah 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 right well he says when you get back he's like give me a call so i get back i give him a call the very next day like i got i got back to tallahassee like you know late that one particular night but early the next morning i gave him a call so he was like all right fine cool 
He's like, well, meet me at the Capitol building 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. I was like, all right. He didn't tell me what to wear. He didn't tell me what we were going to do. He didn't tell me anything. But I knew. Put on that suit, sir. So I put on the suit and showed up there at the Capitol building 8 a.m. Um, and I was like, all right. So I'm, 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 I'm sitting there with him. He's like, well, I've never heard these words before, Brandon. I've never heard these words before. He told me, we're going to find you a job today. Like, what? So he took me over to the, uh, so at the, in the state capitol building there in Tallahassee, we've got like this, it's, it's like three sections. It's got the sec- the middle section, which has all kinds of offices in it. Uh, and then, you, uh, and, and also of course the executive branch. But then you've got, on one side of it, you have the house side, state house side. And the other side, you have the state senate side. So he takes you to the state house side first. And then he said, uh, you know, I was like, oh, this is cool. A little rambunctious, but it's cool. It was a little nickname. He said, like, yeah, we call it the Animal House. And then he takes me over to the state Senate side. And it was much more calm. And it just had a different vibe to it. And he's like, and this is where you should be. And so he took me around. And uh, long story short, he took me to the the state legislature, the state senator from, from my hometown. Right. And, you know, just introduced me. So I and I spoke. He just happened to be in the office. That's by Sarah. That was by happenstance, just because ha- they aren't always in their office. And so it happened to be in their office. And I'm like, all right. So I, t- I tell them about who I am. I give them that quick 30-second elevator speech, right? And I'm like, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm trying to go. Um, and I said, well, I've interned such and such. And I mentioned the guy who I said I called my godfather. And he, and he perked up. He perked up. I will say I knew that he would have known of him, right? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I made, yeah so I made sure to say that. And so he said, all right, well, we'll see what we can do. And this is like a, a, a white male millionaire Republican, right? Like, you know, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a stone cold Democrat, but I'm like, all right, all right. But he was, you know, it was fine. Find out he did some, some background and called it, you know, my godfather. And um, next thing I know, I was working in the state Senate Sergeant at Arn's office. And well, let me, you know, that's a great, that's a, well, that's a great uh, transition, because um, that's actually the, one of the, the things I wanted to ask you. You just made, well, first, let me say, uh, a pretty woman, uh, the bras, uh, uh, are the same reason, same way I ended up in my, uh, my career also, so I can relate with that. Um, you, met, you were just about to go into the sergeant at arms, and so a job, and so my next question, um, you know, what is the type, you know, was this your first entry level job into government work? And if so, how much did you get paid? And if you don't feel comfortable sharing your specific oh. salary, what's the range? I'm comfortable sharing it because they. What's the- <laughs> so, <laughs> what was your first job and what was your salary in this industry? Oh, man. So, look, man, salary is a, is a stretch to, as, as, as far as what to call that. It was actually, man, um, I, I, I was just. So in Florida, the actual, the, the way session works, right? Session is when lawmakers are focused and have to uh, make these laws, right? They have to vote and present all these kind of laws, right? This is the legislation uh, to become law. And so, which is distinction for those out there listening, something isn't law until it's actually been signed into law by the executive branch. But there's other ways for it to, it's a lot of stuff to, to talk about, but that's the, the, the most basic way for it to become law. So with all that being said, um, so here in Pennsylvania, it's year round, right? There's quote unquote session is year round, but they have some breaks, I would say, like summer's real light kind of thing. 
But in Florida, it's only two months. It's only two months. It's basically March and April, right? And so the job was only for those two months initially, right? And I was just opening doors for folks and committee meetings. Um, I was, you know, uh, I mean, sheesh. What was the title of the job? I don't know. It just says OPS, man. Other personal services. How did you get paid? Ten dollars per hour. Per hour. And I had to work those ten hours too. So it wasn't like it was a salary. It was like if I wasn't there doing it, just them ten hours. I ain't paid time off. I ain't get into that, man. But it was a good introduction and um it, it continued to fuel your interest. It had to. So one one thing in particular, because I know I can get a little long-winded when it comes to my responses. I appreciate you. Uh, but one thing in particular that really, really helped with when I was working with the Senate Sergeant's arms office is that they actually forced you to learn every single senator so you could call them by name. Mm. Right? And so, so mm-hmm. sometimes like we even had a cheat sheet that was clipped to our side. Where like mm-hmm. it, and so it was really it was color coded the whole thing right and uh, we got a chance to know him and so with that I just kept interacting with him as much as I could you know had mm-hmm. a little personality uh, but yeah that was like the best thing that that I I got I got uh, besides just exposure in general was the fact that I had to learn those senators names. Mm, gotcha. Uh, another question that came to mind, um, you mentioned you were at FAM at the time when all of this interest was growing. Um, do you remember any of your courses that you took at FAM that uh, either directly tied in or had some value to you as you decided to go forward? What college courses talked about government relations and helped you, you know, just helped give you more information? Yeah. So, excuse me. So in undergrad, it was more so like um, not really, really like it wasn't a lot of it, right? However, I'd say so. While while there, I also got my master's in public administration at FAM, and I eventually transitioned to the appropriations committee. I knew that I had to move on from the Senate Sergeant at Arms Office, although they were great to me. But I knew I needed to, in order to make a real impact, I needed to move on. And so what I would say is that like having the business background, so like financial management classes, you know, mm. uh, understanding spreadsheets uh, when it comes to, because essentially working on the appropriations committee, uh, we were determining who got what money, right? I mean, mm. the the lawmakers made the decisions, right? But mm-hmm. We were the nuts and bolts. Like we had to go and make recommendations. We had to do the research. I even had to go and, you know, go around the, the state and visit certain uh, places like, uh, at one point, I was doing um, civil and criminal justice, mm-hmm. and so I actually had to go to, I actually had to go to one of those state prisons, uh, and I, I sat in the electric chair for a second. It's a whole thing, a whole thing. <laughs> I know, I know, uh, but I've survived. But with that being said, I say financial management, anything around negotiations, those were good courses. Um, in grad school what really helped was the theory around like policy. Like, uh, so my policy courses, there were two theories where it was like, most most policy that government entities make are based on either they do the most good, right? Or they do no harm at all. Mm-hmm. Right? So those are like the two main theories that sort of inform your decision-making in those regards. Um, but yeah, those are my, 
So policy, anything around like the, my policy courses and financial management, those are my like real courses where they really help me. Appreciate that. Um, outside of college, um, were there any uh, newsletters, um, periodicals, um, specific people? Um, you know, I guess what did you learn outside of the classroom back when you were younger that that you used to continue to learn more? Oh, so for me, it was actually more like uh, not the periodicals, but the people. So what do mm. I mean by that? Like, so the guy who got me my first job is still a mentor to this day. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was just a sponge. I mean, I would pick his brain as often as I possibly could. I mean, I'm the type that, you know, I'm here in Philadelphia now and I've attained even, you know, I've, I've attained additional mentors in that regard. But it's because I've been just like persistent. Like I'll look around and see like, okay, who's killing it right now? Or uh, so because I'm looking at it from a couple of different ways. I'm looking at it like, who's my competition? To be honest with you, because I'm a competitive dude. Right? So on my level, who's my competition? But then also I want to I talk to those who have done it already, who are like beyond my level. And so my main thing has been like, so even then, even back then when I was just getting my start, you know, I would see folks and I would just, if I, if I got any kind of opportunity to talk to them, I would just pick their brain, pick their brain, pick their brain about like, I think about it as like uh, Peyton Manning. I'm not that great. Make sure I'm very clear about that. I'm not as great as Peyton Manning is in football in my, in my role. Right. But what I think about is the fact that he always talked about what are, what are his fundamentals whenever he's like in practice, his footwork, you know, any of those kinds of things. And I try to figure out what are the fundamentals in my industry that I can always work on. And one of those things in particular is just picking folks' brains. I just do that all the time. Um, Outside of that, it would just be newspapers. But I don't know if you want to talk about what I do now as opposed to what I did then. Yeah, uh, so we're, we're going to switch it. We're going to transition into that. So I guess um, just in summary, and, and let this be a lesson for all the listeners out there, that mentorship is invaluable. And so if there's somebody you think you can learn from, whatever you are doing, take advantage. Do not be shy. Walk up to that person, introduce yourself, and ask how you can help them. Let's jump into now uh, about your job. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, Brandon. You just said something. You just dropped the jewel. And that's something that folks don't 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 think of. So most people think that when they're looking to get someone to help uh, mentor them or give them information, that they're just there with their hand out asking for something from them, right? What you mm-hmm. said was ask them how you can help them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like having that kind of mentality, right, is is so important. I just want to extrapolate that from the from the conversation, so the folks listening would know how important that is. Think about how you can help, even if you can't. Just having the spirit of wanting to be helpful, people appreciate. Message. Appreciate that. Let's, um, and, and I, I, I'm loving this next question um, because when we think about uh, government-focused jobs or jobs that are tied into making policy changes, working with the government, um, you know, and, and I guess in corporate America, we're always talking about return on investment and your value and how you are using the investment of your um, your job or salary to then create more money for the ownership or whatever your purpose is supposed to be. So my next question um, is how does your job make money for the company? But I guess since you do different type of work, um, you know, how do you show your value to the funders of your company? 
how how do you know that you're being successful and that you can increase the funding for next year? So, you know, how do you make money for your company or how do you raise the ROI for, you know, through your job? Sure, sure. No, that's a good question. Good question. So there, there are some ways that I do it very directly. Other ways are a bit more abstract, right? So directly mm-hmm. is like, uh, so in addition to my government relations and advocacy work that I do, I also run uh, certain programs within our organization. So our organization mm-hmm. has about 40 different uh, programs throughout the region. And so, uh, and some are very specific kinds of programs. And so though we, so even like right now in like budget cycle, meaning that, uh, you know, I don't know if we want to date it. So I say this, if the fiscal year is July 1 and June 30th, and we have contracts with these different government entities to fund programs that we run, then, you know, we have to propose to renew. Like we have to make these proposals to renew or at least have conversations and meetings to determine the, the renewal. Additionally, if you're trying to expand, you know, you need to get more programs. So there's, so there's funding that you get from government entities through the programs that I manage that is a way that I can bring in money. But the other thing is that specifically why they hired me was, you know, and our CEO spoke to me very distinctly about this, is that, you know, we wanted to raise the profile of our organization. And so you can very easily see, okay, so who knew about this organization before I got here, right? What relationships am I bringing to the table? And what other opportunities can I bring into the table or creating or capitalizing on um, to uh, to bring more awareness about our organization. And so I coordinate certain kinds of uh, events for us, whether it's a lobby day or we try to do forums, coalition building, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Resolutions on our behalf, pass legislation on our behalf, figure out ways to position our organization as a leader, you know, within the uh, mental and, and behavioral health community here in uh, in the region. Gotcha. I, I totally understand that. Hey, um, uh, I guess a part of what I want the listeners to learn is um, how people's jobs, careers has an impact on society or the everyday lives. And so every day as just consumers or end users of something, we take advantage, but we may not know all of the steps or all of the people involved in us taking advantage of something on the end. Um, so in terms of what you do, um, you know, what impact does it have on society or other people's lives? Um, you know, how does your work ultimately manifest itself for a customer or a user or specifically your members at MHP? Sure. So that's actually my entire life uh, through any of the advocacy work I've done, although I started this off by saying the shiny stuff is what attracted me to it. Just like with anything, once you get into an actual industry or a career path, sort of figure out like what's most important what you know really speaks to you and my thing was that you know people always said be careful when you get into politics because you know it's all corrupt and it's all the negative things you hear about politics right yeah. right 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 so i was like man i don't, I don't want to be that person so then i'm like because this is the thing once you get into any industry you learn the skills necessary to be effective within that industry if you're at least competent right and so you can use these skills. What I found out, you can use these skills for good or for bad or for indifferent or for whatever. Right. And so I always wanted to make sure that the skills I learned, I was able to, as I would say, make my mama proud. And so um, my, my, my government relations and advocacy work 
has been specific around helping people. And so the work that we do uh, actually helps people all the time. So we service about, I say just in Philadelphia, about 10,000 people every year. Mm-hmm. That has 10,000 participants. Wow. Yeah, 10,000 participants every every year that we help because we believe that recovery is possible. Uh, we help that we, we focus on peer support. So like mm-hmm. over 60% of our organization uh, are, you know, uh, in recovery themselves. And um, whether that's, excuse me, whether that is from, you know, something that's a direct relation to like their own experience or a family member, because we actually have programs specific to family members. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that, why, why do I give that context? Give that context to say that the people that we help every day, you know, like they are a member of somebody's family. They are a member of society, right? So there's the help that we provide to that that participant directly. But then also, what does that wellness do for their family unit? You know, what does that wellness do for their circle unit, right? Um, and it's just sort of, as you can imagine, it helps to minimize a lot of the, you know, sort of the risk of things that could go wrong. And I'm mm-hmm. saying this delicately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The risk of what could go wrong, I think that we have a significant impact on every single year in this region. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the, it's, they always say that the most difficult thing for a government entity to prove is what it prevented. And we do a lot of that here, but we also do, we do de-escalation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now what we try to do, we're, we're trying to participate with uh, other organizations and government entities that even do some uh, emergency intervention. Like, so if a person pulled over or is stopped by police, not whether they're in a car or not, uh, and mental health has been, you know, cited as, you know, a factor, Mm-hmm. Like, what's that intervention look like? Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. we can avoid some of these other issues. So uh, that's just one way. That's like the bigger ways that people see it every day. But uh, just creating community where there wasn't community before uh, is a beautiful thing that we do every day, man. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. Um, I think that's really impressive. Um, I served on the board alum down in Fort Worth for National Alliance on Mental Illness for two years. Um, and so uh, we received funding. You know, I was able to do what I was able to do on the board because of someone like you. Um, so uh, it, you know, that's part of the reason why I wanted to reach out and talk to you because of that impact you're having. And um, I wanted to learn the upstream of um, how I was able to do what I do with NAMI in Fort Worth. Um, I believe you're like several steps ahead of what I was able to do. So it was really great to learn and hear that. No, that's dope. When we work with NAMI here, man, and, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that, that work that you did, man, for sure. Tight, tight. I mean, I like that concept of upstream, but that's for another day. I, I, yeah. I, I got the book, man. <laughs> I, have a, I have a little bit of an abstract question for you next. Sure, sure. Um, you know, can you explain your job or your career? So the collection of your jobs, can you explain them by describing a picture or a scene of you doing it? You know, if you had to tell an artist to commemorate your career with a painting, what would that painting look like? So I thought about this, like originally I thought about it with, so I'll tell you what I thought about. I thought about 
me sitting in the middle, almost like a portrait, and then all like representations of like all the types of people that I've helped. And me sitting there with like this content smile of like just gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds cool, but I then I thought that like felt like that sounds really self-centered, literally in that portrait. <laughs> I am in the center. And so mm-hmm. then I'm like, nah, 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 nah. This has to be me on the sideline with all the people up front. Right? Mm-hmm. And me just like, you know, uh sort of directing traffic or, you know, just like it has to show me doing some kind of work sort of on the sideline, right? Because the people themselves empower themselves. I just give information, I present opportunities, you know, uh, but the people free themselves, whether it's freeing themselves when I work for labor unions, you know, from, you know, professional oppression, right? Um, So here freeing themselves through recovery, you know, the, the people are doing the work. And so for me, that picture would have to be me on the side. If I'm like a, basketball coach or something right Mm -hmm. i love basketball and um you know maybe the folks are you know they're they're the ones running the plays you know i'm just like hey you know this play might work here or there but that's that's sort of how i would paint the picture gotcha thank you I want to um, now transition continue more along the abstract um talk more about your own motivations what keeps you going when things are tough um, so first question, um, what's been your proudest achievement in either your current job or your career as a whole? I would say, uh, it was actually my proudest moment. What, cause originally I so I'm thinking, all right, it's some piece of legislation that was, uh, I helped to pass, um, you know, but actually it was a comment. It was a comment, my proudest achievement. It was, I was working for this labor union. I put a lot of work in, right? A lot of work in. And I was leaving that job for for another job. You know, like it was just time for me to move on. And, uh, you know, we, you, you sort of build a family in, in, in organizations like this, right? And my supervisor's supervisor came in to do the exit interview. And so it was, you know, my supervisor, supervisor, and my supervisor. So it's those two. And um, what he said to me was that I want to honor you with acknowledging how you put the members first. It was like your relationship with the members of this union, the people that we fight for every day. You know, we've, we've seen you over these three years really support like your interactions with them the way they love you the way you love them but you put them first um is he's like i just want to honor you by saying that we see we saw it we see it and we're appreciative that was like the moment for me that was it man like i i couldn't i couldn't tell you like you know we pass all kinds of legislation and when you're in, in it it's almost like battle and you you move on from it but um, and you're helping people, you're impactful, sure. But like at the end of the day, we're in the people business and in the people caring business. And that was it for me, man. 
<laughs> that sounds a lot like the the picture that you just described earlier in a different in another way it sounds just like that that's that's good to hear man that's really good to hear um uh so we've talked about a lot about the good um but as with anything in life there's always the bad and the ugly side of it Mm-hmm. So um, if you were giving advice to someone, or I guess you could share your own experience from either firsthand or what you've seen happen to other people, what is the bad or the ugly side of your um, of working in government that needs a, a, a watch out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, great question there. So the so first thing is that, you know, most people don't have this amazing first like uh, experience. Well, the experience may be amazing, but you're not going to be paid either at all or a lot or a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so you got to go into this knowing you're going to do some, 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 some jobs, right? Like that are not going to pay you a lot. So, all right. So, Brandon, you're my line brother. You, you remember how broke I was, <laughs> and even when we like finished college and everybody's like moving on and everybody's like buying a house and doing this and that, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'm still still working. I'm doing something. <laughs> you know? And they're like, well, what job you got today, man? I'm like, I, you know, still still going. You know? And, uh, you know, if we, if we linked up for, you know, a five-year reunion or something like that, or if we, you know, linked up for whatever, I was always counting them coins, man. I always had the phone out checking that Wells Fargo account at the time. You know? <laughs> but can I pay for this tonight? Okay. Or do I have to play sick? Do I have to play sick? So, uh, so yeah, that, that's the first thing, man, is like, you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta do this for a long time. You gotta see what's going to happen further down the road. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, there's going to be some times where like, you know, they're growing pain, uh, that you're going to have within the industry, but I'd also say that so I want to bring race and culture into this, right? Because... I learned at some point, I don't know exactly where this came from within me, but I learned where the way that politics are run, say like even on a campaign, more specifically on a campaign, right? Like we always talk about like, you know, within the frat, it's like a microcosm of life. A campaign can also be a microcosm of life. You got a beginning, you've got an ending, you got winners, you got losers, you got ups and you got downs, you got resources, you've got like, you know, how do you navigate through that stuff, right? Uh, all different kind of players involved. Uh, so a campaign is, 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 is that in the same, same way. And I will say that Pleasant did help me get through that campaign. But it's like, so specifically, my, I had a, a time back uh, on a particular campaign early on, man. Early, it was my first one, matter of fact, that the way, so we all had these, um, we had these goals that these organized, like as a field organizer, you had to, you had to hit, you had to meet. Right. And so like, you got to make a certain amount of calls every day that were voter contact calls, others that were volunteer calls. So you're trying to volunteer recruitment calls. So, uh, and the idea is that you build it. And then by the time you get to what we call GOTV, get out the vote, right. The last four mm-hmm. days of a campaign that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, um, that, you know, your, your numbers will be astronomical, right? Mm-hmm. And so the turf that I had, you know, as you can imagine, was the most, you know, culturally diverse turf because that's what they do with folk, people of color. 
but that also makes sense because like we know our people right so it's not a in politics you got you can't be sensitive about that stuff man um so with, with that being said they're giving me the playbook right like they give all the organizers the playbook to say this is how you should do it and blah 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 and everybody's numbers are like doing great but mine right like i'm just not getting the numbers man like i mean i don't care how many phone calls i make uh none of that so what do i mean by that by bringing race and culture into this our people like didn't respond to just us calling them at their house right like, mm-hmm. that just wasn't their thing like if uh it wasn't for like barack obama's campaign where like the name itself is going to motivate them so you know they're just like i'm straight so how do i overcome that i literally had to i just looked at my turf i looked at my turf and i'm like all right let me look at the map on this like this thing like what do i have in my turf what do i have available to me and i noticed that i in my turf i had this like very very small but very very liberal college in my turf and so i remember that i interacted with their president of the Dem- their democratic uh uh, the, the president of the, of the young democrats there and so i reached out to her again and was like hey can i put up a table you know do the whole thing blah 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 and do some recruitment she said sure and so i i told my my supervisor at the time look man i'm not gonna have any numbers today i don't know what to tell you i said but i'm gonna set up this table over here at this college and um you know i'll take the hit today i said but going forward my numbers will be crazy and he was like all right well, we'll see we'll see and so I set up the table, man. I made it look real nice. Had some Obama picture stuff up there because, you know, it was only a couple years in that he had been president. And these were the midterms. And I got like 15 quarter. And I created a fellowship program out of nowhere. Titles are free, my brother. So I just said, oh, I got this fellowship program. And like, even in this day, I was still like, if they called and needed a reference, I would give them that reference, man. It was like that important to me. So uh, so yeah, I actually created this fellowship program out of thin air and I started killing it. I also reached out to the local, uh, fraternities and sororities, the grad chapters, cause I knew that culture and mm-hmm. I would, I would have these deltas come in on a Wednesday night and do put up more numbers than anybody near me would do on like a Saturday. Right. And it was just like, it was, it was crazy. So that's what I'll say is, you know, as a person of color, what, the playbook that you're being provided when it comes to government relations, advocacy work, campaign work, any of that stuff, it's not always right for our community. And you've got to like, think about how can I be more effective? Because at the end of the day, you know, I could have been washed out, right? Mm-hmm. They would have just, just let me go and my numbers would have been gone. So, uh, so that's, that's a big one. And then the last thing I would say is, man, you got to watch out for sharks, right? Like you got to, my dad told me a long time ago, he's a, he's a pastor, and he was just like, hey, son, if I, if I wasn't a shark, I could eat a lot. And so, like, you know, knowing that, I, I translated that into my own world. And so if you're swimming with sharks, man, you got to be, a, even if you're a shark that's protecting other fish, right? Like, you can't protect them if you aren't a shark yourself. And so you got you to gotta, gotta protect yourself at all times. Um, people can... Uh, politics is a contact sport and mm-hmm. things can come at you at some point and you've got to be like ready to handle it. And you might not always know the tools, right? You might not always know the tool to have them. Sometimes you got to take that L 
learn from it and know that it, like now you know how it will not happen to you again other times you got time to see it coming and then that's when those mentors are important right those relationships you've established that can like even if you already know the play you probably also need someone else to help you and so having those relationships with people is important to get that done Wow. Well, thank you. That was a very rich answer. Um, the three things I can't, the three things that I pulled from it, the first one, be prepared. Well, be prepared not to be paid on uh, your first couple of jobs. Yeah. Um, but the experience is invaluable. So um, take advantage of that opportunity. The second one, um, there may be a little slight racism or sexism when you get into it, but that doesn't mean you have to adhere to that. And that allows you to be creative and find new ways to get in contact with your tribe, your community. And then the third one would be watching out for those bad apples, those sharks, the, the abusers, and those are in every industry. And so you just need to look, watch for yellow, yellow flags from people who may want to take advantage of you um, and then not give you the credit, the respect that you deserve, even though they're using your skills or your influence to help them with something. Um, so that was a really rich answer. I mean, in a way, you kind of answered two questions in one, but I'm still going to ask you, uh, what would you tell? Well, so knowing what you know now, mm -hmm. What would you tell your 22-year-old self as he prepares for this career? Breathe. breathe. To breathe. To breathe. Just, just breathe, man. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Just breathe. Um, I'd say save your money. I definitely would have saved more money at that time, although I wasn't making a lot. Um, I mean, I probably would have hung out with you less, Brandon, had I saved more money, though. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, but yeah, just breathe, save your money. Um, I would say enjoy yourself, you know, enjoy the ride, um, treat people better. Although I mm. fight for people every day and I try to establish real relationships, you know, I mean, you knew me as a young man, you know, I can be a jerk sometimes. So, um, I, uh, I would say treat people better at a younger age. Mm. Um, and the the last thing I would say is I get this from Pat Riley, man. Like the main thing is the main thing. Like just remember that the main thing is the main thing. And so sometimes you can get distracted by, you know, like all these, you know, sort of auxiliary kind of things that people want you to pay attention to and do. But remember, mm -hmm. what is the real job you came to do, right? What's the real mm -hmm. job you came to do? Because if that is not taken care of, then, you know, no one's going to care about the other stuff. So mm -hmm. that's what I'd say. Well said. And thank you. Thank you. Uh, finally, you know, we are coming out of a pandemic right now. Um, and we're also seeing tech companies continue to innovate our society and make, um, uh, I guess, just change what we've taken as status quo. So, um, you know, how do you see technological advances uh, combined with the changes in our society that the pandemic has brought, how do you see government changing, advocacy, working with policymakers? How do you see that changing given technology and the pandemic? Yeah. So the first thing I would say is that, like, this is still a relationship business, right? And so you've got to establish, so you've got to do a couple different things. You have to establish new relationships and you need to maintain or grow current relationships. That's always the case within this industry, right? And I'm sure that that, you know, is in most industries, to be honest with you. 
but but this one in particular, you still got to remember that. But the the what the pandemic has presented us with, and what uh, and what technology has presented us an opportunity to do, is like how do we establish those relationships? How do we uh, grow those relationships? How do we maintain those relationships? And so I would say uh, social media is a thing, right? Like I'm a little old school in that regard. Uh, I'm not super into social media. However, I understand its importance when used correctly. So if you want to say like, okay, I want to keep up my own particular profile or even keeping up the profile of the organization that you represent, because my instincts are always a fall back and more so, you know, highlight the, the organizer in me says we stay out of the picture and highlight either the candidate or the organization that we're, we're working for. And so with that being said, we, uh, you know, I'm, you, you on social media, if you want to talk more about it, capitalize on certain like awareness moments, uh, that's a thing. But the other thing that people don't think about when it comes to social media is really is LinkedIn. So let's say like, so what the pandemic did was wipe away all the cocktail parties, right? Mm-hmm. right? It wiped away all the networking events and things like that, right? I mean, we're doing it on Zoom, but it's not the same as when we were in person. Like, you know, I know that maybe it is not coming across in this podcast, but I know I have personality and I've always <laughs> relied on it, right? Don't be so hard on yourself. Right? <laughs> no, but I've always relied on it. Like, and, and you, you meet me in person, man. I'm a pretty cool dude, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, and so I can... And, and, I, and I assess and I listen and I learn, but now you've got to do it, you know, digitally. And so, you know, I would say really look into LinkedIn, make sure that you clean up your profile, uh, but then also start uh, connecting with people within your industry, learn to see what they're doing, right? Uh, maybe if you needed a, a, also if you, so let's say uh, I'm working on an initiative and I need to interact with this person in particular in order to get this thing done. And I don't know them personally. I will, I will first look into my own network and see, you know, if I know someone that might know them, right? right. But if I don't, you know, right now, everybody's accessible. Maybe I DM them in their tweets, right? right? Or, mm-hmm. or on, a, uh, on in a Twitter account or, or maybe on uh, Instagram or something. Or I can send that message on LinkedIn. Or I can see if there's someone that we have an overlap with in LinkedIn. And then check out, like, what those people are posting, Right. So uh, within LinkedIn, a lot of information is shared and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I would say make sure that your Twitter community is strong within the, you know, whatever direction you're trying to go. Uh, those are those are, are, are big things. The other the last thing I would say when it comes to technology beyond social media is data analysis. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that are in the industry, once you get to a certain point uh, or oftentimes when you, even when you first start. You're dealing with some kind of data tool, right? It's some big data thing that you are, you know, working through. And how you navigate through that stuff is, you know, can be invaluable at this time. So you're you having better information than your competition, you having better information than those that you're even trying to influence is super important. And, and so figuring out how to use those tools. Uh, manipulate those tools, not in a negative way, but manipulate in a way that like, okay, you can both have the same data, you and your 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 opposition, but the way you mine that data, the way you categorize that data can help extrapolate information in a way that perhaps they didn't, you know, understand. 
And so that's really, really important in that regard. So I'd say social media, data analysis, and remember that, you know, this is still a relationship business. Thank you. Well, Joe, this has been an amazing experience for me. Um, um, I appreciate you sharing about the job, what it is, your experiences. Uh, most importantly, I appreciate you sharing about yourself, who you are, and then how that relates to the job. I think that's invaluable for the listeners to hear. Um, I appreciate the work you're doing for the mental health community, especially since we both have that direct tie to it. Um, it was great for me. I've learned so much more about what advocacy is, the toughness, how difficult it truly is, and the sacrifice that you made to ultimately get to the part you are. So I appreciate you coming onto the show, and I wish you nothing but the success, my brother. Thank you. No, I appreciate that, man. I, I wish you nothing but success as well, man. I mean, I've seen you go, you know, I've seen your trajectory, man. Uh, there are people in life that I worry about. You are not on that list, brother. So I'm, I'm very thankful for you and uh, thankful to know you, brother. Appreciate those words. Thanks again. Wow. What an enlightening conversation. Thank you again to my guest, Joseph Pierce Jr., for sharing his life and work. And I encourage anyone interested in politics to connect with him on LinkedIn. My final words will be our term of the episode, which I select from my guests' answers. This episode is Lobby Days. Lobby Days can go by many names. Fly-ins, Advocacy Days, Hill Days, Advocacy Summits. However, they all come back to the same basic concept. Bringing constituents to D.C. or the state capitol to meet with their legislators face-to-face. The goal is to personalize your issue. And anyone ranging from a corporation to a trade association or nonprofit can host a lobby day. Constituents flooding a Capitol building to lobby their legislators about the issues they care about is a beautiful display of democracy. This has been Take Your Homeboy to Work Day, and thank you for listening.